What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you now on Thursday, August 12th. As the Cardinals kept on rolling on Thursday, but it came at a cost. We'll talk about a couple of the injuries that occurred during the midst of the Cardinals' 7-6 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates on Thursday afternoon. Got the early start time on the getaway day as the Cardinals made their way since then to Kansas City, Missouri, as they'll take on the Royals once again over the weekend in a road series that will feature Jack Flaherty as the leadoff pitcher starting the game on Friday night. Going to be exciting to see what Jack can do for St. Louis back on the mound for the first time in a big league uniform since May 31st when he went down with the oblique injury. Another important series coming up for the Cardinals. They'll potentially be in that series without the full strength of their roster as Wade LeBlanc, first of all, who wouldn't have pitched in this series regardless, but we may also not see him very much, if at all, the rest of this season if the elbow imaging that comes back, which he's getting done in St. Louis, doesn't have a positive spin on it. LeBlanc experienced some elbow pain on Thursday, which is how the Cardinals phrased it in the official uh, text from PR, elbow pain, not discomfort. They called it pain, and pain is what the Cardinals will be in if they lose Wade LeBlanc. He's been really solid for them, as we've talked about here on B-Shafe Daily, just continuing to give the team a chance to win in every game that he pitches. Uh, Still hasn't had an outing where he's allowed more than three earned runs. Did allow exactly three on Thursday, giving up a long home run to Colin Moran before leaving the game in the third inning. He pitched two innings, delivered 30 pitches on the day, and then was replaced to begin the third by T.J. McFarland due to the injury. Turned out to be an elbow situation. We heard from Mike Schilt basically what we typically expect to hear from Mike Schilt, which is they're optimistic. It's not going to be anything too terrible, but anytime you have a pitcher experiencing elbow pain, Uh, You're going to have to take a deeper look and try to diagnose where that's coming from and and what the next steps are going to be toward a potential recovery. But we're sitting here and closing in on now what I would consider mid-August. And if Wade LeBlanc needs to be on the shelf for any period of time, that's going to be a loss to the team. And It's surprising to hear myself say that and actually mean it. But, I mean, when you consider where Wade LeBlanc came from to begin this season, we've talked about his start with the Orioles Back in April, he was very poor for them, was sent to the minor leagues, and then elected free agency. He caught on with the Brewers, was in Nashville for a little bit, and then released from that organization. The Texas Rangers picked him up, went to my old stomping grounds with the Round Rock Express. He didn't last very long there, and then the Cardinals end up picking him up, and they actually decide to use him. And it's a good thing they did because they got some quality outings from him. And now we'll have to wait and see what it looks like as far as his future as it pertains to the next six weeks or so of the remainder of this season. He's 37 years old. You'd hate to think that there would be a serious situation with the elbow. As you know, He's a guy who's already been with four organizations this season. If there's any need for a surgical repair, if it, if it, if it does go down that road uh, would be really unfortunate for LeBlanc and his future prospects. But 
The Cardinals definitely have benefited from him. Not so much on Thursday due to the injury. I'm sure he might have settled in for a five-inning outing as he typically is accustomed to delivering for the Cardinals. But it's a, it'd be a shame if they, they're going to be without him for the foreseeable future. But it's the reason, you know, part of the reason that they go out and do what they did at the trade deadline and getting Hap, who's been very good in his couple of outings, getting John Lester, who's been less so, but will have another opportunity over the weekend to try and right the ship. You've lost two starters in, in potentially LeBlanc and Kwon Young Kim over the last week, and you've got Hap and Lester there serving as some depth. So we talked about there being seven starters for five spots potentially here pretty soon. Now that is not the case. Now you're hoping Miles Michaelis can return as quickly as possible, as healthily as possible, in order to regain one of the five spots in the rotation alongside Jack Flaherty, alongside Adam Wainwright, who continues to be tremendous. The Cardinals would be totally lost without him. But then in addition to Wainwright and the two returning righties, you've got the two guys they picked up on July 30th, Lester and Happ. That's your rotation moving forward unless you get some sort of surprisingly good news on LeBlanc. Like, it's the team's job to be optimistic the day an injury happens and they're just not going to give very much away. But when they go show imaging, even if it does come back favorably, clearly it necessitated removal from the game, whatever he was experiencing on Thursday. And so I just don't think you're going to get out of this without an IL stint to be sure. You know, they'll be able to backdate it. But if it's a matter of can he pitch again this season, uh, all that's going to have to come out in the wash here in the next couple of days and potentially the, the week ahead to find out where the Cardinals will turn for that situation. Jack Flaherty, of course, has to be re-added to the active roster tomorrow as well as the 40-man roster because of, I say tomorrow, that's bad form for podcasting. Friday he'll be re-added. You guys, who, who knows what day you're going to be listening to this podcast. So Friday, Flaherty will be re-added. 26-man roster spot seems pretty easy to come up with how they'll do that with LeBlanc going down today. Um, whether they get him back to St. Louis and can do the MRI in time, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that he will be on the shelf for at least 10 days, and so they could make that move. Another possible move, one the Cardinals are hoping they don't have to make to the active roster, pertains to Dylan Carlson, who left Thursday's game with a wrist injury, uh, wrist soreness as it was termed by the team. He will also be getting an MRI done, but is is staying with the Cardinals, with the club, on the road trip to Kansas City, not returning back to St. Louis, which gives some hope that if things turn out favorably for that MRI, it maybe would just be a, a day or two of rest, and you could see Carlson back in action. The way Mike Schilt phrased this to reporters after the game on Thursday was that Carlson experienced earlier in the week a little something in the wrist, Cardinals evaluated Carlson spoke up with the way he was feeling they all felt like it was something that he could play through and so that's what they did on Thursday they had him there in the starting lineup but ultimately Dylan had to be pulled from the game in the middle innings due to the wrist situation it was right after the first career home run by Lars Newtbar where the Cardinals mounted a nice little charge in this game to reclaim the lead we'll definitely get into the nitty-gritty of how the Cardinals won this series finale by a score of 7-6, to six, but that was in the fourth inning, and they had Newtbar pinch hitting. Didn't keep him in the game, though, because they weren't aware just yet of the necessity for Dylan Carlson to exit, and so that caused Mike Schilt 
just a little bit of a timing issue there with finding out about Dylan's injury ramping up uh, to the extent that he needed to leave the game. Found out too late they already had, I believe it was Andrew Miller on the mound to pitch, and so the lineup changes were made and they couldn't do a double switch at that point. Carlson took the at-bat for himself, leading. he's a leadoff man, so he batted after the pinch hitter spot where Newt Bar homered, struck out on three pitches, and so it was at that point that I guess he probably alerted somebody on the staff that it was not going to work out for him to continue in the game, and there was no evident part of the of that at bat or of the game where we where we noticed Carlson uh, having more issues with the wrist, and it was not an injury anybody knew about prior. So it's kind of hard to gauge when exactly it it flared up on him, as Mike Schilt put it. There was a weird situation in Carlson's previous at bat where, leading off the third inning. Carlson was called out on batter interference as the umpire ruled that his backswing interfered with Jacob Stallings' ability to chase after a a pop-up in foul territory that he ends up dropping and not securing. Carlson was ruled out nevertheless, though, based on, you know, he had the follow-through with the swing, and I guess that impeded Stallings' ability to get out of the batter's box. Really, he just dropped the ball. He should have caught it and Carlson should have had new life but after the Pittsburgh manager Shelton complained about it the umpire ruled yep that's what happened and Mike Schilt went out to get an explanation Schilt said after the game that he believed it was the right call and didn't have an issue with it after it was explained to him gave some credit to the umpires he usually does a pretty good job of trying to stay on the good side of the umpires unless they're just so terrible that and we've seen a couple of times this season where that's been the case, and Schilt has felt compelled to get out there and get himself run in defense of his players. Wasn't that situation. I was even a little surprised that after the game he said it, he said it was a good call or the right call. I forget which word he used, but he, he clearly didn't have any major issues with the call, though when it was brought up by one of the reporters, he said it was an interesting call. And so I think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek with that for Mike Schilt, but I was following it along on the Pittsburgh broadcast, and their broadcasters basically didn't understand it either, but, you know, a little bit of homerism. They weren't complaining about the call, but they basically let it be known that, yeah, they're not sure exactly what happened on that one either. So could have been a frustrating situation in the game for the Cardinals, losing that at-bat for Carlson, but they end up getting all the runs they need in the 7-6 to victory, one of them coming in the first inning, so they jumped out to a nice lead, able to manufacture that run early on thanks to a Nolan Arenado double. Good to see him getting into the positives of the scorebook with that RBI in the first. The fourth inning sees uh, the continued resurgence of Paul DeYoung. He's got the batting average above 200 now. This was his only hit of the day in five at-bats, but it was a big one as he launched one into the air down the left field line. A little bit of a short porch situation. It's not really a porch, but definitely the fences in pretty far it's something like 325 feet I believe down the left field line and he skies one in that direction and in what some ballparks could deem a uh, F7 ends up being a two-run homer for Paul DeYoung the Cardinals certainly will take it as will DeYoung his 16th of the season continues to be that guy who he'll get his home runs is he going to give you a whole lot else yeah maybe not so far this season but does it really matter if he's homering at the rate that he is Right now, Cardinals will take a home run every other day from Paul DeYoung and nothing else. I mean, it's not going to be an ideal batting line at the end of the season, but you're going to end up with 
25 to 30 home runs if he if he does it that way. I believe I can recall the beginning of the season batting uh, over under for Paul DeYoung at some sports books in the neighborhood of like 25 and a half home runs. And lo and behold, I think he's probably going to get there. I know we've only got about six, seven weeks remaining in the season, and he's still got to get another 10, I guess, to clear the 25 and a half mark. I bet he does. I bet he gets to at least 25 and, and tax on one. I'm going to predict that. Right now, it's gonna you know he's gonna need the playing time to be able to do it, but he's starting to come into his own to find that home run swing, the way he had earlier in the season. The consistency, it'd be nice to have a little more of it. Like I said today, just the one for five, but he did hit the home run, and it was an important one for the Cardinals. They ended up needing every run they got, but if the young can continue, kind of remaining in that space, the Cardinals would really appreciate it. I would keep him a little lower in the lineup. He was back up at number five today after having a good. Last five or six games, Mike Schultz moved him back up, rewarded with the home run, but did have a couple of strikeouts as well. I'd leave him down around number seven most of the time. I know that this lineup is not teeming with options that necessarily lend themselves to being considered high-quality, middle-of-the-order bats right now, but I think DeYoung can find a little bit of comfort in just kind of chilling lower in the lineup, allowing him to right the ship and to continue to have maybe a little pressure or a little less pressure, I should say, on his shoulders compared to previous seasons where a lot of times they've stuck him in the number four hole as the cleanup guy, and sometimes it just feels like, uh, you know, maybe they're asking DeYoung to be somebody that he's not, which is a a hitter who can, yeah, he'll hit 30 home runs, and he might be that kind of guy, especially with having a little bit of uh, time on the injured list this season. In a fully healthy year, He could he's done it before, he could do it again, he could be a 30 home run guy but I think a little bit limited otherwise in that you're not going to see the kind of consistency that you want of a traditional cleanup hitter. The The OPS is going to be de- depleted a little bit compared to where you'd want from that spot in the order. And so I think having DeYoung, he can be a very capable contributor to a team, especially when he's clicking offensively more so than not, but good defender, but not maybe a guy that's going to carry the team or you shouldn't expect him to. And I think if he's around number six, number seven in the lineup, that's a little bit more representative of what you're looking for than if you're having to stick him up higher in the order and say, come what may. You know, that's just a, a roster construction thing. But I think that's where Paul DeYoung best fits. And certainly with an OPS right now at just 692, it's been a down year. And you'd like to be able to get more production out of your number four, number five spots in general than that. It was kind of a getaway day lineup, though, for the Cardinals anyway. With Matt Carpenter batting in the cleanup spot, you got a guy with a 652 OPS batting cleanup. So it was just that kind of lineup for the Cardinals today, and then they ended up having to dig pretty deep into their bench. Nevertheless, with Tyler O'Neill, Yadier Molina both on it, Tyler O'Neill still sort of uh, recovering, getting on the other side of the symptoms that he experienced uh, following the second COVID shot, the COVID vaccine, and probably could have taken it at bat if he really needed to today. The Cardinals didn't really need him to. And so ideally, he'll be back in the lineup for Friday. Yachty gets a day off. They've been giving Kisner a little bit more, a little bit more of an opportunity as of late. I think that's great. Keep Yachty as fresh as you can and give Kisner the opportunity to stay sharp as well because you never know when you might need him. And you'd like to be able to have some confidence that when he comes in there, you're not missing a lot compared to what Yachty would bring to the table. And so that's the way the Cardinals kind of line things up today. Got the big home run from DeYoung, and then Newtbar followed that up with his first home run of his big league career later in the fourth. was interesting to hear him talk about that moment after the game 
He was following, had talked to Matt Carpenter, who had already seen the opposing starter, uh, JT Brubaker, for the Pirates because he was batting in that four hole. And before he stepped into the batter's box, Newpar had that conversation with Carpenter just about what this guy had to offer and talked about the slider not being much of a traditional slider that stays on that horizontal plane. It's more of a breaking ball that's you can if he hangs one, you can be ready for it. And that's exactly what Newpar was looking for. He found it and drove it out of the ballpark to right field. So a uh, nice assist to Matt Carpenter to be able to give the scouting report there and successfully deliver that and allow it to be something that Newpar could use and uh, definitely use it to his advantage as the Cardinals took a 5-3 to three lead on that home run. From there, it was all about the bullpen, trying to hold things down. The Cardinals did add a run in the 6th and another one in the ninth, but which ended up being really important. But I think the story of the day, apart from the offense that we've already really talked about, was the fact that the bullpen gave you seven innings because they were going to have to after Wade LeBlanc is out after the second. The Cardinals, when talking about Daniel Ponce de Leon returning to the team, did not really view him, according to Mike Schilt, as a long reliever. They don't really have a lot of value for that role necessarily today, though you thought could have been a day where they maybe would use a long reliever. However, they go a different route with it, and they could afford to do so because of what Adam Wainwright gave them on Wednesday. The complete game shutout meant another day of rest for the bullpen. You had everybody fresh coming into this one so if there were a game at any point in the season where a guy's going to go down after two innings and not be able to continue due to injury this might have been the day to have it happen because the Cardinals did have the luxury of pretty much everybody in their bullpen being available it was TJ McFarland who got out of there first had a scoreless inning and ended up earning the win he's now 2-0 on the season an ERA of 3.00 Andrew Miller came in, did give up a run. Luis Garcia had an inning, did not give up a run. And then from there, you were able to get deep enough. Like, that was after five innings. And from there, you are able to get things deep enough to where you say, hey, we're going to go to our aces, Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes. It's been the formula that has worked so well for the Cardinals for the majority of this season. And they were able to get that formula out there as the blueprint with Cabrera starting things off, going an inning in two-thirds. He looked really sharp, was scoreless, hitless, and struck out two batters. Gallegos, not he was sharp. I mean, he still struck out the side in the eighth inning, inning in a third, but gave up four hits and so had to work around a little bit of danger, but overall got the job done. And so those guys covering a combined three innings allows you to get the thing to the ninth inning for Alex Reyes, who does end up giving up a home run to Brian Reynolds, who is a stone-cold killer, and so that's just going to happen sometimes. He's really good. Brian Reynolds... Better hitter than anybody the Cardinals have. And and the performance this season would bear that out. Would you take Nolan Arenado in the long run? Yeah, probably. But Reynolds is a really underrated player and a hitter. Just on base, he hits for power. He does a little bit of everything. I believe the OPS for him, above 900 at this point in the season. I'll try to look that up really quick. Yep, he's at a 920 OPS with a 306 batting average. The Cardinals don't have anything like that so far this season. And so St. Louis can be pretty glad that they only had to deal with Colin Moran over the last couple of days and that they let Brian Reynolds sit out of the lineup today, came in as a pinch hitter and and was two for two with the bomb. So limiting their exposure to Reynolds today, probably part of the reason they were able to have success. But in Wainwright's gym yesterday, and again, I keep doing this on Wednesday, which it's a good thing I can mark that down and, and lock it into my brain to say Wednesday was yesterday as my life currently stands. 
because I sent a tweet earlier where I phrased it as Tuesday was yesterday, today was Wednesday, but today was Thursday. So I had some people confused. If you saw that tweet, I kind of own that one. That was I, I like I didn't even think anything of it, and I got a text message asking about for some clarification. I was like, yeah, you know, Mike Schilt said Dylan Carlson, you know, dealt with the the wrist before today, and then today it flared up on him. But uh, today wasn't Wednesday, so that's why the tweet looked probably really dumb. But on Wednesday, Colin Moran had the two hits for the Pirates against Adam Wainwright, the only two that they got. And then on Thursday, he hits the home run. So Cardinals should be glad to get rid of Colin Moran, be glad to get rid of Mr. Brian Reynolds, at least for the time being. I know that they're going to see more of the Pirates the remainder of the season. I cannot exactly remember when, but I guess I should look up the schedule and tell you, since we're talking about it. Yep, it's as I suspected because the Cardinals still see a whole lot more of Pittsburgh even within this month of August where next weekend, the 20th through the 22nd, they'll be back at Busch Stadium for that series against Pittsburgh. And then the following weekend, they're in Pittsburgh for a four-gamer. And in between, you've got the Royals coming up beginning on Friday as we talked about. Then they'll face Milwaukee. That'll be a home series for the Cardinals, but a huge one against the Brewers. You've got to find a way to take two of three every time you face those guys. They'll get another home series, a two-gamer against Detroit to cap off that homestand before heading to Pittsburgh later in the month. But that's still seven more games against the Pirates, and it's something we knew about coming into this stretch at the beginning of the month where we said, hey, you're going to see KC twice, and that's going to be six games, and you're going to see the Pirates three times for 10. And so in those 16 games, how much ground can you make up? Well, so far so good on that front because the Cardinals – took two of three from the Royals, and then have gone on to sweep Pittsburgh. So that's five out of six. There are two problems, though, afoot since the beginning of August. You also lost a series to the Braves. Not only did you lose that series, but you got swept. And so over the course of that little stretch where you said, hey, you're going to be playing some poor teams in August, really you're five and four. That's only one game above. And we'll give you the, the end of that July series that bled over on to August 1st against the Twins, six of their last ten. The Cardinals did win that game on August 1st. But that's not anything earth-shattering, especially when you consider the Brewers now have won four in a row because they face the Cubs, who are absolutely dreadful at this point. On Wednesday, Chicago put Corbin Burns into the highlight reel when they struck out ten consecutive times against the Milwaukee starter to tie a National League and American League record. 10 Ks in a row for Corbin Burns. He pitched eight shutout, struck out a total of 15 in a 10-0 win for the Brewers. And then on Thursday, the Brewers just beat the Cubs to hell once again, 17-4. Cardinals should look forward to the fact that they do get to see the Cubs again this season. That'll be in September. I believe they have a couple of series remaining against the Cubs. And by that time, you know, maybe the Cubs will be able to straighten things out a little bit find some other talent to be able to to fix some of the issues that they're having. But toward the end of September, the Cardinals have a four-game series against the Cubs at Wrigley. There will be a doubleheader within that because of the canceled game that took place the last time they were at Wrigley right before the All-Star break when that Sunday game got rained out and I got to drive back to St. Louis a little earlier. That wasn't so bad, but that'll come home to roost during that series. And then they end the season Beginning of October is a series at Busch Stadium against the Cubs. So seven more against the Cubs. You're in the midst of this stretch where you get 16 against the Pirates and Royals over the course of, uh, not July, but August. 
You know, you've got plenty remaining against the Brewers. I believe that's 13 games, and so no, that's not a bottom feeder, but that's exactly who you should want to be playing. There's plenty of room for the Cardinals to make moves, but it's pretty clear that when the Brewers also get to play the Cubs, you're not going to make any any waves in, in gaining on them. Over the last four games, the Cardinals have actually dropped a game on the Brewers because the Brewers have won four straight, and the Cardinals have just been three out of four, dropping that final game in the last Royals series. So it's going to be important for the Cardinals to continue to do what they're doing, beating up on these bad teams, uh, and then hopefully it allows them to sharpen their skills up for the, that first Brewers series, and you've got a couple more then thereafter that are going to be critical toward the Cardinals' ability to uh, make a run at this NL Central. Right now they're still pretty far back. I'm not even going to bother telling you how far back they are because they're not gaining ground right now. But you can't worry about what the Brewers are doing. At the end of the day, if you're the Cardinals, and again, I think they're doing a pretty good job of this, you got to worry about what you're doing as the St. Louis Cardinals. And I've been saying 13 remaining against the Brewers. That is accurate because they have four series in total, three of them coming in September. I don't know who made that schedule, but I think the Cardinals should be pretty grateful for it because they haven't played their best baseball of the season to this point. Just in general, looking over the the four and a half months or so that have been this 2021 season. And there is the possibility that they'll be playing better baseball with a knock on wood, healthier pitching staff when they get to those games, especially in September. And so that'll be when the Cardinals will hope that they're at their best. If they're not, yeah, the Cardinals will win 80 games this year or 82 games. And that'll be that. But if they're able to kind of find that next gear and do it against the right teams, you never know the way it could shake out the way they could improve their standing on the season. But for now, we'll just have to wait and see what they do against the Kansas City Royals. That's coming up over the weekend. It's a Jack Flaherty start on Friday. We look forward to breaking it all down in the aftermath of it right here on B-Shafe Daily. Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss us talking about Jack Flaherty and his long-awaited return. You can do it by going on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any of the apps that you like using to listen to podcasts. Go ahead and find B-Shafe Daily on that platform and make sure to subscribe so you will be caught up on all the action as we continue podcasting and discussing Cardinals baseball the rest of the way here in 2021 and beyond, at least for as long as the earth exists. We'll continue doing B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to the show. We are going to wrap things up here for this edition of B-Shape Daily. We'll talk to you next time. Peace!